Hello everyone and welcome to episode 361 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Seth Red Olive, and we have the full crew here this week. Kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. What's going on this fine Monday, Richard? Hey Seth, super excited for today's episode where we either look like geniuses or morons. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's going to be a fun one. Before we get into that though, we got another co-host in Krim. Good morning, Krim. How you doing? today morning morning yes i am excited to see what i have uh, i mean every, everything we we say is calculated so so clearly there will never be any misses so so you know normally on the podcast we talk about kind of whatever has been going on in the last week of magic well this is our year-end episode it's gonna be a little bit different we're looking back on the last year of magic and kind of on our takes and opinions over the past year and seeing how they look now with the benefit of hindsight now that things have actually happened and gone by so this is kind of a year in review type episode uh and it should be super fun but before we get into that a reminder that our show today is brought to you by card conduit card conduit you've probably heard about them from us before they're a amazing way to sell your magic collection and they're offering a new service it's geared towards selling smaller batches of valuable cards with a reduced service fee with their curated shipment service you can sell your cards for the best available wireless price with only a five percent fee and like with all of card conduit services you don't gotta sort your cards you don't gotta grade them you get to skip all those hassles and just safely package up your cards and ship them out and of course you'll get a detailed report with the results so you can check out card conduits curated shipment option is a way to buy list up to 150 cards with fast processing optimized prices and the low low service fee of just five percent and right now you can even get another 10 percent off by going to cardconduit.com slash mtg goldfish card conduit they're the easiest way to sell your magic card so thank you to card conduit for supporting the show and let's look back on the year of 2021 richard i think you're gonna you're gonna take the helm for this podcast you got some clips of stuff that's uh, happened over the past year so richard take it away all right so our wonderful editor has compiled all of our hot takes uh into uh we have hits misses and omissions so uh you guys always do top 10 lists uh so you know anything we hit you know like uh maybe it was like a oko or something right a, a miss maybe circle of loyalty uh or an omission maybe it's like so beyond us that we didn't even put it in a top 10 list so we have the full list today i'm gonna go over them but we're gonna start off with zendikar uh rising 2020 because the the last set of the year always gets a i don't know you know like not a lot of sets have been printed so we got to see how it, it turns out so we're just going to revisit the the tail end of 2020 and then we'll jump straight into 2021 so uh this is zendikar rising and we're gonna talk about zagris if you ever have more than one creature in your party, then anything under five mana, this is a steal. Yeah, that's why I really like this card. I'm actually pretty scared of this card and expect it to be pretty good. Yeah, it's going to be picking off tons of Planeswalkers. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I see how you made the mistake. You saw Thief of, <laughs> and then your mind just put an Oko and Crown, and you're like, this has to be good. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> I'll go with that, yeah. Really? <laughs> really though i think this might be one where we get bailed out like zendika rising isn't that old we know we're getting the D, &D set that'll probably have more party tribe members so i think there's still hope for zagras but i think looking at it right now where we're at at the end of the year before we get more sets and the rest of standard i mean it hasn't really done anything and even though we were skeptical of party we liked zagris for some reason even though apparently i couldn't say zagris at the <laughs> time another another uh, another one of those cases when i read zagris and hear that analysis i still actually feel the same way like it should be a good card if you can cast it for four or five mana why isn't it well okay i wouldn't say that it's just written off right away right now right because i mean there's still a chance like you had mentioned it, i don't think i've seen hardly any actual successful party decks in standard like period none even though that was one of the big themes of zendikar rising you know what we'll revisit that because i still think with zendikar's life and the like you know still being here for a while and on top of that we have the D, D set i think the D, D set will definitely make or break party 
Yeah, I kind of feel like party is a plant for the future. Yeah. Like, I, I kind of feel like the idea wasn't for it to be competitive with Zendikar Rising, but the idea was to, like, lay the foundation for some of these tribes, and then as we get Keldheim and Strixhaven, and then eventually the D&D set, by the time we get to that, then I would not be even a little bit surprised to see a competitive party deck in standard. And who knows, maybe maybe Zagreus is part of it. Maybe we're all like sick of two mana Zagreuses next summer after we get the D and D set. That doesn't seem <laughs> is it likely? No, but is it possible? I think so. Okay, I'll set myself up for next year's review. There's no way Zagreus will see play. Like they, they have to print like a two mana creature that effectively fills your party and then maybe and that, that creature has to be Rakdos somehow. And then maybe you would see a Zagreus play like just wait richard you just wait <laughs> would you say we're tripping <laughs> yes yes i will go on record and say you're tripping now now it's for sure gonna be a good mechanic <laughs> all right it's 2021 you guys be tripping <laughs> yeah <laughs> even I, with uh, alchemy like even with yeah, alchemy richard, could it be helped <laughs> You you just got to give it time, Richard. It's still like nine months until Zendikar Rising rotates. Yeah, Why just read Zagreus. Read Zagreus. It still looks. I, I mean, I'm, we're two years into this now, and I still read Zagreus and still feel like it should that it should be a good card that people play somewhere. Like, sure, party was a flop, but really, like, it's got so much text on it. It's like the <laughs> party questing beast. Like, I still feel like it should be good, and it still just continually <laughs> disappoints me. Uh, any, any minute, any minute now, it's about to pop off. Okay, I, 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 I played it in a deck. It, it, so, it was, it was, it exists. Okay, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe the the card needs a little bit more of a boost in power. Party ended up being a really big flop. Right, I mean, we're, so we're waiting why? for Alchemy Two when Alchemy Two comes out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe they'll oh. add something because the the. I mean, I think you guys are right, right? Like, it, it hinged on the D&D set, and the D&D set did absolutely nothing for Party. So, like, that that's kind of it. So, I, it, there could yeah, have been a world where Wizards actually used the Party mechanic, but they did not. So, so here we are. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what happened. The, it, it, I'm still surprised that the D&D set didn't really do more to support uh, the Party mechanic, because it seemed so obvious at the time that that's where it was heading, and it just totally did not go that direction. All right. Okay, so that that was uh, last year's miss. We're starting off strong. Uh, how about the la- <laughs> the top omission? Next on our list, this card, Kazandu Mammoth. So uh, this card, I think it's pretty bad. So if you look at the competition, that's where Kazandu Mammoth really kind of doesn't hold water. Uh, so let's say, just in standard right now, even post-rotation, these are non-rotating cards, we got Love Struck Beast. It's just a 5-5 five, five for 3. Yeah, you gotta have a 1-1, one, one, whatever, that's usually not hard to do, but it's a 5-5 five, five for 3. That is Kazandu Mammoth plus a land drop. You have to hit a land drop every single turn for Kazandu Mammoth to be a Love Struck Beast. So I feel like Kazandu Mammoth, while it's not a horrible card, like a 3-drop three 3-3 three, three is okay. If you make a land drop or two, it can be a 5-5 five, five or a 7-7. Seven, seven. It doesn't have Trample, which means leaves it very very much open to just being chump block forever. I will say it is cute that you could use the land half of Kazandu Mammoth to trigger additional copies, but really, I don't think that makes up for it compared to how efficient the other three drops are. I'm honestly not sure if having a land is enough to make it worthwhile. Beth, how about these <laughs> cute interactions with using it as a land? <laughs> Uh, I don't know how I underestimated uh, Kazanu Mammoth because I'm the person that's like highest on M- uh, MDFCs. Like I've been singing the praises of MDFCs for so long, and then I was like really harsh on this one. Although I will say, if you look at the the top monograde aggro decks in current standard, some of them still play Kazanu Mammoth, but some of them play Tangled Floral Hedron or S tier MDFC in that slot instead. So I think I was at least like a little bit right with my analysis, like a, a tiny bit. Eh? I. I, I, I kind of, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that, right? Cause I mean, it even sees play in historic, right? So it did get pushed back all to, into another format, even though I, I kind of thought it was just kind of bad myself. It's a, it's a land that can be a okay, like it's not a good creature, but it's a land. So that makes it a, uh, that makes it, yeah. that makes it good. It, it's a good creature. I mean, I, I think it really smooths your curve out, right? Like it, it prevents those awkward hands where you need to mull because you don't have enough lands. And a three mana five. So so Seth Slide had all these green creatures on it, and he's like, okay, you know these 
you know, these are better, right? But the, the answer is you play them all, right? Like we just played all of them in mono green decks and it overperformed. So I, I think Seth is right. Like MDFC, we should have had it higher. Like MDFC's actually yeah. turned out pretty good. They're, they're all S tier. All S tier. All right. So that, that was 2020, you know, with the metagame shakeouts, you know, turned out party wasn't a thing. Turns out mono green was really strong. Uh, so we learned that. Whoa. Let's move on to Caldime. We have a mid-range threat, I would say. Gold span dragon and a... I actually think this card is pretty frightening. I guess that's why it's on uh, on the top three of our list. So, Krim, tell us... Thor. 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 Thor, tell us a bit yeah. about Goldspan Dragon. <laughs> so, it's been a while since we've had a really good five-mana 4-4 four, four Haste Dragon. I don't think... Uh, like, Glorybringer was the last one, right? And this is no Glorybringer, but I think this definitely... Kind of like it pays for itself. I think that's the biggest thing about it. Yeah, and I think I'm glad you brought up Glorybringer because I think that's one of the reasons I'm really high on Gold Spawn is we've seen the five mana four four hasty <laughs> red dragon be kind of a standard staple over the years. We had Storm Breath Dragon, we had Glorybringer, we had well, I guess Thunder Maw was five five, but still, yeah. like the hasty five drop dragon is a is traditionally a pretty playable card, but really. I think this card is just good enough that you can be playing some sort of random mid-range deck, and this is just a good threat. Like, the mana production, the mana doubling's good. Making a treasure is sort of a form of protection, soft protection, but still, even if it dies to instant speed removal, you're getting a bit of value out of it. So, I think this card, uh, it's hard not to like. It just does a little bit of everything, and it's really efficient at what it does. All right. Better Nailed it. than Glory Bringer. <laughs> Uh, I, I think we I think we underestimated it somehow. You guys only had it number three, uh, but it it has been the linchpin of, of standard for a while, right? And historic. I mean, all, it's all formats. It, it, it got ner- it got nerfed. It was so good it got nerfed. Yeah. We haven't seen Stormbreath Dragon get nerfed yet, have we? So uh, I would say that we did. We didn't say it was going to be nerfably good. We were like high on it and thought it was going to be a standard playable card. But I think even even that was still underestimating just how strong it was going to be, and uh, doubly so if you look at the card that was ahead of it on our Caldheim list, which I, I'm pretty sure was Glorious <clears throat> Protector. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's Good go card. to the top miss. Let's go. Let's see what the actual miss was. The Blood Sky Massacre, Rakdos Saga, likes Berserkers, draws cards. Tell us about this one, Grim. So really, this is just for me and to like enjoy the Berserker uh, archetype that just got added in. There's a good amount of Berserker cards. Some of them are angels. A lot of them came through this set. That seems really good. I I I don't even actually think about the third chapter. I mean, <laughs> sure. Like, like the third chapter is almost irrelevant to me. I would do it yeah. for just chapter one and two. That's actually how I look at it, too. But the second lore counter, that's the payoff. Like, even by itself, it's not bad. But if you can have two or three or even more Berserkers attacking that turn and you're refilling your hand, that's a really powerful card. I mean, even if it's only two, like if you get a two, three with Menace, the yeah. dodges stomp, and then you draw two cards for three mana, that's a lot of value. That's a, a Divination Plus. That's a Moldrifter. You're building a, a yeah. Rakdos Moldrifter, <laughs> essentially. This card missed so still, hard, I don't even know what it does. <laughs> I, still has I forgot a chance. that it exists. I forgot that it existed, honestly. <laughs> still has a chance. We're getting you more might, berserkers. Might to, you might have to read the text on that one for me. What are we, what are we talking What are we talking about? What does this card it's, do? It's a three-mana saga. <laughs> Step one is a two-three berserker with menace. Step two is when it attacks, you draw a card and you lose a life. And then step three is add a red mana for each berserker. Um, oh, that... That sounds like the Krim special. This is like the fairest <laughs> card our top I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it would have been sweet if Berserkers ended up being good, though. I mean, I guess there's still there's still time, right, Krim? We yeah, get there. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there's still Berserkers to be printed. I'm not writing that off yet. You just apparently, wait. If, <clears throat> apparently we're bad at Rakdos cards. You guys really like Rakdos yeah. cards. cards. Get us. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> really Maybe like we need to play Zagras. <laughs> With Blood Sky Massacre, and that we got a deck. We we have our whiff deck, whiff tribal. Yeah, <laughs> all of our misses <laughs> from the past year. Jam them together. We'll be good. All right. Uh, top of this powerful. We also got Elrin's Epiphany. So seven mana sorcery. Just gonna pause right here. How did <laughs> this wasn't mentioned in any top ten list, guys? <laughs> like we missed so wow, yeah, hard 
on this that's, card. That's real bad. It's it's unbelievable. <laughs> let's see let's see what Seth's analysis. We had to dig into a daily spoiler video <laughs> to get us talking about this oh card. No. Oh no. So Elra's Epiphany, I know, I know, I know. We're not that far away from Nexus of Fate making everyone miserable in standard. And people, I think, are rightly still a little bit scared of extra turn spells. But I will tell you right now. Elrod's Epiphany, it's not a nexus of fate. It's not going to loop. It's not going to make you miserable. Yes, maybe someone will take an extra turn with it, but that's fine. It exiles itself. It's worded in a very safe way. So it is an extra turn spell, but it's not going to be a dominant nexus of fate extra turn spell. Instead, it's kind of like Victoria's Throng, Part the Water Veil, Karn's Temporal Sundering. And these are cards that, while occasionally they see a bit of play in like Mimi decks, Joke decks, Budget decks, or whatever, they're not cards that are <laughs> format. So, Elrond's Epiphany, I'm pretty fine with it. <laughs> well, All right, the, I, uh, the I wish I deck that is the entire <laughs> meta game of Arena says. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I wish I stopped talking like way, <laughs> way before that. Uh, this isn't gonna make anyone miserable. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. I, all I can say in my defense is if you look through. Other people's top lists for for Keldheim, uh, like I think Patrick Chapin did top cards by color, and he had it as his number ten blue card from the set. Like so, so we weren't the only one who underestimated Alrin's Epiphany, but I certainly, oh man, that was that was like painful to listen to how far off I was on that one. That was real bad. I mean, in a way, Prismari is a meme, though, right? Like, it is a meme in that, oh, it's the most miserable. Everybody knows it as that deck of the format. So, in a way, that's kind of like a meme. So, so do you think we whiff because we underestimated the synergy with Goldspan Dragon? Like, how how did... Well, so, we didn't have an hour top 10 at all. I definitely kind of trashed it a little bit on the spoiler video. Like... What what went wrong with that prediction? Like, is it that Goldspan was making extra mana? The uh, getting like powerful is it spells in Strixhaven? Like expressive iteration? Like, how did we all like overlook this card? Simple, because we came from a very powerful standard. <laughs> we came from from a format that was like, and like we we didn't think of it then because when you think about what was played, even with Eldraine, like when Eldraine was in the format, right? There were a few cards that weren't Eldraine that still saw play. We should have assumed those cards because they were able to keep, like, go toe to toe with Eldraine cards and find a way into decklists with Eldraine. That that must mean that they're somewhat extremely powerful. Not, not Eldraine levels, but still very powerful. And so, yeah, we, my, I mean, at least for me, I was a little bit jaded from like, like just like looking at all these cards and I was like, well, it doesn't have like, an adventure side, you know, it doesn't do two things for one. Uh, you know, we, we had a, a, a standard where like so many things were getting banned left and right. So yeah, I, you know what? I could see why we would miss that. I, I think that's I think that's true. When you consider like we're coming out of a world where Alrin's Epiphany or not Alrin's Epiphany, where uh, Emergent Ultimatum was seven mana, like literally win the game. Like you resolve this, you win the game on the spot. Alrin's Epiphany doesn't look that scary compared to that, but it ended up being uh, definitely the monster of our current standard format after rotation for sure. I think we just underestimated the Prismari shell. Like there's a lot of cards in the Prismari shell that you're going to see. Uh, in this list today and turns out when your cards are really strong taking just one extra turn uh, is good enough uh, because we we were all scared of the 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 loops right we're like oh you're gonna take like eight extra turns or something but like just one or two extra turns is enough to end the game with this prismari deck so um it, yeah. it didn't have that recurability that nexus had but you know it's enough right the birds and the extra turn and the rest of the prismari cards can just close the game Although in our defense, like some of those cards did come later, like when we were evaluating uh, Elrond's Epiphany by itself, that was like pre-Galvanic iteration, pre-Memory Deluge. Like some some of this stuff didn't exist, so we couldn't have seen it. But still, like oh, we should have we should have been higher uh, higher on it than we were, I think for sure. So what we're gonna do now is rank the next extra turn spell like S tier, <laughs> and then it'll be like utterly unplayable, <laughs> and then we'll have to review <laughs> this again next year. <laughs> All right. Uh, Strixhaven. Number who on our list? We're staying in Prismari land. We got another uncommon, uh, some good uncommons in this set. Expressive iteration, a red and a blue sorcery, uh, anticipate essentially. This turns into essentially a two mana draw two. And I feel like it's pretty easy to take advantage of this. Even 
put your good card in your hand, uh, cast it before you play your land drop, exile the land from your top three, play that as your land for the turn, put your bad card to the bottom. That seems absurd for two mana. Yeah, this is, once again, this is uncommon, by the way. This is like a super telling time, right? I, 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 yeah. I can't believe how good this is. If I love this. It's, it's just, there's nothing more to be said other than what you had already mentioned. This does just that. You can get the land, prep your next draw. This, this is just good. Yeah, it is. It is just good all around. And we nailed that one. So you guys, slow golf clap, realize what wizards didn't realize that this card is so good. <laughs> it dominated standard, uh, dominates ex- uh, eternal formats, older formats. Like this thing is just so good. And you guys had a number two. So it was a pretty good hit. I, I am afraid to hear what our number one was. Uh, <laughs> to be honest. Guys, number one is good. Number it was one is good. Oh, okay, it was, okay. It was, it was only Spellbinder. Yeah, was, yeah. Oh, are we actually oh, talking about yeah, it? Yeah, oh, yeah. We'll, right. we'll, we'll finish with uh, Iteration, and then we'll go to Spellbinder. Okay, because, yeah, like, I, I say that because I'm like, oh, man, I really hope it wasn't, like, some <laughs> random bulk rare or something like that. <laughs> but, yeah, like, like Expressive Iteration was is just absurd, and it still is absurd. I I foresee it eventually probably getting banned. <laughs> In I, I think formats. that's I think that's a card that's caused so many problems in so many formats. Like we we've talked about this before in the podcast, but it's been the year of the is it decks in like multiple formats. Going back to like uh, time warp being banned in historic, we see the domination of these decks. Uh, going back to modern, we have some uh, like um, Dragon Rage Channeler shells, Murktide Regent shells. We see is it Delver dominating in Legacy, and I think it really mostly comes back to this this little uncommon that is like really driving all these insane. Is it X from standard all the way back to legacy, which is kind of crazy just how strong that card is. Fully agree. This this is like the card, right? Like, I feel like this is a what, what like holds every Prismari shell together. Two mana draw three. Turns out it's pretty good. Uh, all right. Number one. Fear not. It's elite spellbinder. Let's move on. Number oh, one on our list. We have a uh, we have Paulo. This card. It's this is amazing, right? This card is absolutely amazing. It is. There's just so much you can do with this card. It's good at every phase of the game, right? Yeah, Elite Spellbinder is really good. It's kind of, maybe the best comparison is like the White Mendelian click to some extent. Yeah. Uh, missing Flash, but This would be still. so broken if it had Flash, though. Like, this oh, this would oh, be way yeah. too powerful with Flash. <laughs> <laughs> even even without flash this card's very good so just all around i feel like this card is kind of just a staple of like mono white uh any sort of white x tempo deck or aggro deck it would take a lot for me not to play this card yeah i'm pretty much starting with this if, if i'm in white i'm playing for, like at least three copies yeah, I think I think it's that good, and uh, and that's without any shenanigans. If you want to go deep and and build around it, you can do that too. It's just a really sweet card in so many levels. So, all right, Apollo is good at magic. Turns out you guys are right. <laughs> we did pretty good with with the top end of our strict saving list. I think like those are two. Those probably are the top two cards from the set. I think, and maybe I'm missing something. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure we'll get it pointed out in a minute with our whiff from the set or whatever. But I feel like that's a pretty solid list. Paulo right now, I think, is like the maybe the most played creature in standard. Uh, I think it's technically four, but it's behind a lot of like one and two of creatures like Leer or Hallbreak or. But as far as something you actually play four of in your deck, it's like the most played creature in the format. So uh, nailed it with that one. Yep. All right. Before you get too high, here's our uh, <laughs> here's our top this. <laughs> Flame scroll celebrant slash revel in silence. So a silence <laughs> plus a two drop. What do you think about this one, Krim? Oh, this is this is gonna go right in that Lorehold deck, right? Like this is just an amazing card. Two mana, two one. Like this is this is for an aggro deck. This is good at all phases of the game. Yeah, I, I actually like this card uh, quite a bit. So the front half, it does die to stomp, which uh, is a concern. But again, I'm mostly excited for this backside because silence is a really powerful effect. The problem is it's a very narrow effect. In some matchups, it doesn't really do a whole lot of anything. Like if you're up against an aggro deck, you just you can't be top decking a silence in the mid game. You're going to lose. On the other hand, a silence attached to a fine body, that is a way you can have a silence effect in your main deck. I like this card for a bunch of different reasons. I think it's really strong. Yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's it's a two mana two one that when an opponent activates an ability is an event ability it deals one damage to them it has like two mana fire breathing backside is a silence for double white uh was the card pool in strixhaven not that deep because this was number six on the list uh so so i think i mean strixhaven didn't end up being a, a super powerful set, so maybe that's part of it. Although I remember what I was thinking when I was high in this card, and I was I was really excited about the idea that you could wait until your opponent cast Emergent Ultimatum, and then you could silence them so they couldn't cast the things off Emergent <laughs> Ultimatum. So I was hoping that was going to be like the tech to stop one of the best decks in standard, and it <laughs> did not happen. I don't think I've ever seen anyone play either half of this card in any format, honestly. Uh. uh <laughs> It's even even if you did try it, um, which I did in like historic for an aggro shell. Yeah, it it didn't do anything. <laughs> Cemetery Gatekeeper is doing what <laughs> I th- like what I thought this would do, right? So yeah, like this this is not good. This is not good at all. All right, top of mission. All right, next up we have mascot exhibition. Seven generic hmm. mana. It's a lesson. So the reason I wanted to talk about this was because How bad do you is? think that well no 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 <laughs> this is this is our mystic lesson. Do you think that the learn lesson archetype or cards can see play in standard? Now that we've seen the whole set, is there any potential that this mechanic slash card is actually gonna show up in standard? I mean, it's nice because it can be played in any color. That I like. Yeah. That's the the thing that it has going for it. Otherwise, it looks kind of weak. I think I would rather get any of the other, any of the other uh, lessons. It it sucks because all the lessons suck, right? Like if you had good (laughs) lessons, like let's say there was a Doomblade lesson, like an actual Doomblade, right? Or an actual, I don't know, like a good draw spell. You could play that and then you could just slot this into your deck as like a random finisher or into your sideboard. But because all the lesson cards suck, like, what is the point, right? You're, you're just playing subpar cards. Like, you don't have anything good to tutor. Why even play the weak uh, lesson creatures or the lesson enablers, like, to begin with? So, like, just because all the cards suck, there's no point. Is it, is it like charms? Sometimes with charms or commands, you read them and you're like, eh, none of those modes are individually all that good. But when you have the flexibility of having all of them together, charms often end up being really good. Is there any chance that maybe learning lesson is like that and it's better than we're giving it credit for? Uh, but then you got to like fill your sideboard with not great cards so you can tutor them up. I I, I don't know. I, I'm higher on it than I was a week ago. I don't know why you would do this. Like they went too yeah. safe on both the uh the learn cards and the lesson. They're like both overcosted and they don't do anything. So I don't think it's worth it. But all right. Did we learn our lesson, boys? <laughs> <laughs> okay. To be fair, I think that that card is still the weaker of the lessons. I mean, it is also currently the most played card in all of standard. 43% of decks have a, a mascot <laughs> exhibition in their sideboard, according according to our data. So, uh, I mean, we definitely underestimated it. I, I will say, I think part of why we underestimated it was we couldn't really know how much standard was powered down before rotation when we still had Eldorain stuff going on. You didn't really see mascot exhibition at all. Like no one was playing learning lessons, but then standard yep. ended up getting powered down at rotation quite a bit. And then all of a sudden uh, these cards honestly developed into staples where a lot of decks are taking advantage of them. So, so I think that's part of what happened. It's really hard to know, like what's the power level of standard going to be after rotation in six months. That's really, really tough to predict at the same time. Like, I don't know. Maybe we should have known that they would be better than we thought. And I I think I kind of mentioned that a little bit when we were talking about it, because it does have a little bit of that charm style flexibility. And that's kind of what we're seeing play out now that uh, that standard has been powered down a bit. Yeah. Where where standard was, this card just looked like the absolute worst, right? There there was just like there this didn't like lessons and all that weren't even a thing. So the the power down in standard really changed a lot. Yeah, I I, I think so. I, I remember like lesson was a meme for quite a while, and then all of a sudden <laughs> lessons were great, 
And I, I remember playing mm-hmm. standard. I'm like, oh no, we're still gonna get memed on in the podcast. <laughs> well, this terrible mechanic is everywhere now, and turns out it is everywhere. It, it is really strong. That flexibility is worth it, and like the mana efficiency doesn't matter, right? Like, because late game you're just trying to finish the game. You have seven mana, whatever, right? Or so, yeah. I, I think it, it's a good lesson. Haha. <laughs> about rotating <laughs> standard where this was unplayable in first standard but second standard it was great so uh okay realms forgotten our D set number two on our list we're staying in the realm of classes with ranger class the floor on this one's pretty decent vivian gonna be rotating uh with at rotation i see this as at worst a replacement for vivian that in some ways is actually harder to kill because it's an enchantment you can't attack it down with creatures so it's even more likely to stick around plus it's got all these random little synergies where there's the plus one plus one counter theme decks but i think any green based creature deck in standard probably going to be considering this but Krim, what do you think about ranger class so i think ranger class is also very solid right like i have it relatively high on my list uh and mostly because of that fourth chapter or third chapter like you had mentioned believe it or not i i think uh like that second mode is going to matter a lot more uh because we're starting to shape up to what it seems to be like almost like a standard elves deck so yeah i think elves they might have a chance after rotation uh we, we will see i think right. we got a lot of pieces there Ugh, i tried making elves work in standard already and they were close they just i mean nothing matches up to like Eldraine and companions and the ultimatums yeah. it's just such a high power level but once standard powers down a little bit i think elves definitely have a shot in ranger class as you mentioned with the amount of mana elves can make seems incredible with an elf deck you guys are pretty good until you start talking about elves. But I mean, okay. Ranger class is, is great. Like Ranger class sees play, at least back to historic. Like, so I think that was, that was a solid pick. Even if we did kind of go into this weird elves tangent, we were no, we, we for were no right reason. for, for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> elves still not playable, but you know what? And it's funny because it, it, that card is so good. I went, it, it, it is now an eyesore for me every time I see it. It is so good. It, it's everything yeah. that's wrong with modern magic. <laughs> it's like a two mana two, two. That snowballs in power, so if you don't remove it, it'll just like kill you on its own. And it also snowballs in card advantage, where even if you remove it like four turns later, like they've already drawn so many cards off of it. Um, that yeah, like Ranger class is best, actually really good. Best grizzly bears ever, for yeah. sure. <laughs> uh, all right, top miss. So uh, it was not elves, by the way. Here we go. Well, let's move on. Number three on our list. We're sticking with the class enchantments. This time, we have the Boros Fighter class enchantment. Dealing with equipment, Krim, what are you envisioning for this one in standard? I Okay, I think this might actually just be the best class for standard. Uh, it might, it's well, one of them. Actually, like, uh, it, like top two, right? It would be between this and, well, maybe something else. But, uh, but the thing here is, I think this card is very solid. Once again, all these classes are super cheap. So I can only think of a few things to grab, like an Ember Cleave, uh, Ember Cleave, Ember Cleave, <laughs> and then like whatever, the Maul of the Sky Clave. So this just seems like a powerful way to tutor up anything. Uh, we've got, we've got a lot of pieces kind of like setting up for an equipment deck between Nahiri or Warriors. There's a lot looking to set up for, for fighter class. This just seems like a cheap, powerful way to really get your, your equipment archetype, your Voltron vibes going. Okay. Has Voltron ever been a thing in standard? <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. The, the, okay, the, this the issue with this, right? This big miss is that I is I had forgotten that it is actually just a passive thing that happens when you play an Ember Cleave deck is that you always have it. You never need to tutor it up. That is that is the only thing that I feel like I missed. Cool. Okay, I, and and yeah, maybe Voltron isn't great. I'm I'm glad you were high on this because it it takes away from me having Grandmaster Flowers on my my top ten list. So uh, thank you, thank you, Graham, for the save, for the save on this one. Okay, but of the two of the two, mine. I, okay, this is more playable, right, than Grandmaster Flowers. I mean, I Come still on. think fighter fight. I still think fighter class is a is a good card, and I still think it's a card that could see play in standard. It just doesn't really have the support. Like there, there's not 
anything to do with it anymore. And as you said, like they always have the Ember Cleave anyway, so you didn't need it in that deck and you didn't need to go into another color. And we just don't really have an equipment deck in standard. Even though Wizards has tried to like power up equipment a little bit, that's just not a thing that exists, some sort of Boros equipment deck. I think if it did exist, then Fighter Class would probably be in it because I still think it is a, a decent card. That equipment yeah. needs to be Batter Skull or something, I think. I, I feel like anything that requires quote-unquote combo pieces so like for example zagris with party for example equipment with needing equipment and a creature is like too much for standard nowadays it's all about like a one card win con that you cast at like two or three mana and then just snowball to victory so i i think i'm never going to rate another voltron card highly like i, I think we're just past that point in standard where it's just all one card win cons now I, I hope yes. next year's end of, end of year review has us going, oh my god, this card needs to be banned. <laughs> <laughs> like, like a, a Cauldra complete in the stand? Like, it, that's not even good enough, right? Like, what, what could they actually... A Jite? <laughs> uh, maybe. As I think yeah. about it, there's, there's not a lot. <laughs> like, they would have to print something better than those. I mean, we are going to Kamigawa. Maybe maybe GTA gets a yeah. <laughs> gets another pass into standard here. Uh, GTA oh. 2. Fixed, fixed GTA, which may not be fixed. Uh, top omission. Next up, we have the return of werewolves with werewolf pack leader. So, double green. So, werewolf pack leader... It's like the best Watch Wolf we've seen. Like, Watch Wolf was an exciting card for its time 15 years ago, but a lot of time has went past. The power has crept a little bit. So now for a 2-minute 3-3 three, three to be playable, it apparently needs to have multiple abilities. So Werewolf Bag Leader, it does have good ones. Like, drawing a card is what you want in your aggro deck. Growing itself, I don't think you use that super often, but there will be times when it's really relevant. This is a card I think can immediately break into standard in mono green stompy slash aggro deck. Werewolf Pack Leader seems like get easy upgrade there so i think standard mono green probably wants it the other thing to mention about werewolf back leader is we know we're entering werewolf world we know we're returning innistrad we know we have an entire innistrad set that's themed on werewolves so this might also be a bit of a plant for a future so even if it doesn't do anything crazy right now once we get the werewolf innistrad set werewolf pack leader might make a lot more sense from a tribal perspective so Pretty close. So it, it didn't make it into your top 10 video. So you guys didn't yeah, spot it as top 10. But that was uh, pretty kind of spot on with that I analysis there. I don't know why we didn't. I don't know why it's on our top 10, honestly. Yeah. I, I feel like me we and Chris must have like collective, all the, all the other collective werewolf amnesia and just, <laughs> I think we must have forgotten about it because, like, yeah, I was high on it during the spoiler video. So, yeah, that's that's really weird. But yeah, that is definitely a huge omission. That's one of the best cards in standard. It's, Turns out Watch yeah, Wolf I, I is good. I, I, I think because wait, we still had um Lovestruck Beast in the format, right? Or no? Oh, wait. Oh, we did. Yeah, we, we did. did. I, I, so I think it was a meme to be <laughs> to be casting a 3-3 into a 5-5. Five, five. So maybe that's why. But, right. But still, we were putting Grandmaster of Flowers, Fighter well, Class on our list. Like, <laughs> hey, 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 come hey, on. Hey. Like <laughs> that, that card is gonna take off, okay? <laughs> Fighter class, not Grandmaster of Flowers. I, I, I thought that was bad Aww. to begin with. Oh, I, I should dig up that. It's not on our list, but I, I remember Seth fighting really hard for that card. Oh, I, on the podcast, I, I did. I really tried to argue for it, and it, it did not work out. Uh, all right. Midnight Hunt. So we got another Planeswalker, and I kind of feel like Red and Seven... <laughs> isn't really getting the hype it deserves because it was spoiled so early. But Ren and Seven, it's a really powerful Planeswalker with four abilities that can make huge tokens and fill your graveyard, which we've been talking about throughout our top 10, is going to be relevant in Innistrad Standard. So, Krim, what do you think about our new Ren? Well, as you all know, I love my five drop green planeswalkers. When I say that, uh, when I say love, I use love very, very sarcastically. Not quite Nissa who shakes the world, but, uh, still very powerful. The thing here is I, I think that that zero is very solid, uh, and probably oddly overlooked right now. And I think that this card as just as a whole is just kind of underrated right now. When you look at the scope of what standard's going to be, this is a very powerful card. 
yeah, it just does a little bit of everything. And the thing that really sells me on this card is really the negative three that makes that tree folk. Not only mm -hmm. are you going to get a big creature, but it has reach. And if there's one thing I've learned playing uh, standard 2022, it's that flying is a big deal in our new format. Some of the best threats are trolls, band dragons, Galazeth, Prismari, even like the white weenie decks. You have like elite spellbinder is a huge threat. So most decks have some sort of flyer that is going to be pressuring your life total pressuring your planeswalkers making these huge reach tree folks seem like a really good way to shut down the air attack so i'm excited for this and it's also just a way to fill the graveyard so worst case for this card even if it isn't a generically good green planeswalker that you just play in any deck it seems like it's got a home in ramp decks in graveyard decks in landfall style decks and those are all things that are going to be floating around in this format so there's a lot of different possibilities with ren and seven i think you guys I love me out here i think i didn't like <laughs> red and seven but you guys are high yeah, on yeah. it so we're gonna count it as yeah. good <laughs> well yeah, the you funny were, thing you though is on that one <laughs> we acknowledge the reach and i can't tell you how many times i swung into the token with flyers <laughs> yeah turns yeah out, i mean I, I think we're pretty dead on yeah it's just a big body with reach and it makes multiple things and then with the the chariot synergies i think puts it over the top um but I, I was still contend that it's just like a good card. I, I think what's making like all the green base decks are not the red and seven, but the other cards and red and seven just coming along for the ride. I think you're I think you're right. Like it, it, some green decks don't even play it. So I, I think it's definitely true that it's not the thing that powers the green decks. But I also think it did end up being one of the better cards from the set for standard for yeah. sure. All right. Top misses. Number one on our list. Top card for standard from Innistrad Midnight Hunt. We have Bloodthirsty Adversary. Another adversary, the Red Adversary. Krim, what do you think about this one? I mean, I was literally just streaming Goblin Dark Dwellers. I've been on a Dark Dwelling binge. I play Dark Dwellers in modern standard. This is a Dark Dweller that can scale, right? So this is a, just the adversaries are versatile and they scale very well, like, like quite well with like whatever game plan you have. It's as simple as that. This can now cast a bunch of spells back and forth. This is good in a control deck. This could be good in an aggro deck in case you want to cast your burn spells again. Like what's not to love? It's versatile. It goes in every deck that has yeah, red. The, oh. It's this card's really, really good. And the reason this is ranked, I would say, above the white one, even though the white one is also very powerful, is if you kick it, it gets value right away, even if it's removed. The only downside of the white adversary is it does just tie to a removal spell. If your opponent has an instant speed way to kill it, and there's some good instant speed removal in our new format, Holy then you don't really get the value out of it. This one, if you cast it for five mana and your opponent does have the removal, you're at least flashing back a spell. If five mana, if you flash back a three mana value spell, it's actually just Snapcaster Mage. Not with flash, but still, it's the same amount of mana as Snapcaster would be to flash back something that had a three mana value. Plus, you're getting a 2-2 two, two haste for two, which is traditionally a pretty playable card in aggressive decks. So yeah, I think Bloodthirsty Adversary... Uh, this card is a card you can play in control decks, you can play it in aggro decks, it's even a vampire, which is probably going to be more relevant in a couple of months once we get Crimson Vow, but still, this is definitely deserving of the top uh, spot on our list and a super strong standard card. Number one. Have, have you played Have you played against this card? This card is good. It's still good. I get bought nope. by it all the time in Historic. Uh, I... I haven't really seen many people play it in standard. Like, I really, I really haven't. And it is kind of disappointing because we even have decks that have a ton of spells in them. At first, I was thinking, oh, maybe there's just like not enough support and we can use that as our excuse. But there's like, is it spells? And that's like one of the best decks in the format. So apparently, being like okay on turn two and okay on turn five is just not okay enough anymore. You'd rather have gold span on five and smoldering again two or whatever. So yeah, that, oh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, Goblin Dark Dweller saw play. Like that was a good card. Is Has the world just changed so much that we got to stop evaluating cards based on things that were good five years ago? Like design is just so different. Things are so much more powerful that being very similar to something that was good in 2015 just doesn't mean anything anymore. I think so. But but I, I also still think that this card still has lots of time to grow. This card That's is it, it's it may not be in every deck right now, but like this card 
there I just don't see how it's not going to get played. I, I still am high on this card. And yeah. it's worth pointing out for, for both Innistrad sets, unlike the first sets we talked about, they sell like two years in standard. Like they're only a couple months old. So we still have like, you know, 22 months of uh, of these cards existing in standard. So I think you're right. There is a chance that at some point during that time, Bloodthirsty Adversary actually takes off. I think the biggest miss is no one expected the demise of red aggro, right? Like, red aggro is always a thing. So I actually agree with Krim. Like, of all the misses here, this one actually has potential to do something still in the right metagame. Whereas uh, fighter class, uh, stuff like that. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Right. That card's maybe, maybe the ship has sailed on those <laughs> ones, but this one, like, has potential still. Uh, all right. Uh, top omission from Midnight. We also got a pretty neat red transform card, Smoldering Egg slash Ashmouth Dragon. So I think this card, it looks janky. It looks like, oh, you know, it's a cute little egg. We've seen dragon's eggs in the past. They're not really good. They're usually just like janky limited cards. This is this is Thing in the Ice. This is the return of Thing in the Ice. The upside is it's even easier to flip. The downside is Awoken Horror. That's a 7-8. That's a really big body. Ashmouth Dragon, it's only a 4-4, but it does have flying, and it has a really scary ability. If you're trying to flip a Smoldering Egg, you're playing a lot of spells in your deck, so once you get Ashmouth Dragon, all of those spells are coming with the kicker of being a shock, sending two damage, not just to your opponent, at anything. So you're going to wipe out your opponent's board, deal a bunch of damage to your opponent's face. This interacts really well with flashback spells. It's pretty easy with Galvanic Iteration or Memory Deluge to flip this at Lightning's speed like so it seems incredibly easy to flip and then you get a big payoff out of it like this dragon that deals two damage to anything in the decks that are going to be playing it is a legit threat it's big enough to fight with things like goldspan dragon and moonvale regent and galazeth prismari it could even show up in those decks like you just play it in the early game or out of the sideboard bring it in against aggro where a zero force a good blocker and then eventually flip it around into this huge dragon i think that is maybe the main home for this card i think you could build around it and that's a possibility i think worst case floor of this card sideboard control card for like is it dragons or jeskai control and historic and you bring it in against aggro block your opponent's stuff eventually flip it with expressive iterations anger the gods and then just shoot down your opponent's stuff for the rest of the game with this huge dragon so i actually think smoldering egg is a legit card it looks weird because we've seen dragon eggs in the past not really be constructed playable but the comparison to thing in the ice i think is a good one and i would not be at all surprised to see smoldering egg legitimately playable in standard and probably like historic and maybe pioneer as well oh pretty spot on <laughs> there yet somehow didn't make your top the, 10 list <laughs> yeah the, well, the only room for bloodthirsty adversary <laughs> adversary hey, hey that card is still good just i don't know if it's better than the egg okay but you know what the only i think the only thing that was wrong about that last called shot was that we we acknowledged pioneer that was it <laughs> that was the <laughs> other than that like yeah it it was it, it was a pretty good uh uh call i don't, I don't know, know how it didn't show up on our uh, on our top 10 i i'm imagining it just like maybe just barely got uh, got beat out a little bit or something and it would have been in like the next 10 but still <sighs> yeah, it, it should have definitely found its way onto the top ten somewhere. Yeah, you, you Do people like still a, play it? A seer. You actually hit all the points. Like all the decks would be in, all the cases <laughs> where it'd be good. <laughs> you actually hit like all the points. Not like the I fumbled into the right answer way, but like actually that somehow missed the top ten. <laughs> and then just didn't put it on the top ten. Yeah, did I missed the easy part. <laughs> I missed the layup on that one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're going to leave Crimson Vow for next year because uh, it's it's still unfolding, right? We don't want to we don't want to accidentally you know prematurely call the cards. Um, so like we, fighter class like, and like fighter and class, you know <laughs> yeah, we don't want to prematurely call those cards either yet. So we want to we, we, we want to we want to not cause mass panic and buyout on other cards. So uh, we do have one bonus though. Modern Horizons two also released. Um, this year Ooh. so let's see what we had to say about the modern format now this will be interesting because the modern metagame is significantly different post mh2 than pre mh2 but we're working with pre mh2 here let's move on to number one and here 
a little bit of cheating. We got a whole cycle, but how could we resist? Maybe not the, the red m- one. <laughs> the red one, yeah, the red one is definitely at the very bottom <laughs> of my rankings. I do think Kiri can maybe see some sideboard play in the right deck, but it is definitely, the way I see these is you have grief number one by a pretty decent margin. Then you have blue, green, and white all in the middle, which are also very good and going to see main deck play. And then you have Fury way down on the other end, like, eh, maybe some decks can put it in the sideboard. If Fury had flash like a lot of the other ones then i think it would actually be a reasonable card but as a main phase card not not that exciting even if it had flash is that really that good because (laughs) it needs to make it it split its damage amongst players too and then we can maybe talk about that right oh oh if you could if you could hit players that'd be insane that would be an insane burn card but but the thing is you can't and i think this Fury's like almost unplayable. Uh, <laughs> the rest, could, the rest of the cycle, though. Yeah. Is, so uh, endurance, pretty good. I think what what endurance is just good because for a three mana three four, I would just play it normally. Yes, yeah. reach flash three four for three mana. That's just great on its own. So I, for me, I think it goes number one: grief, solitude. And then subtlety endurance is tied, and then Fury's just not even on there. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> like Fury would just be a basic land. <laughs> and then Grief, you know? I like the ephemeral synergy. I feel like that is maybe strong enough to build a deck around. We'll obviously have to see. It's going to take some work to find the right shell to actually make it competitive. Because as you mentioned, you are going to need more blink targets than just Grief, or you're going to have some consistency issues. But I do think that Grief is the closest thing to like winning the game out of these cards like if you do grief and double or triple its trigger on the first turns of the game i feel like that's a line that's often going to just straight up win the game and leave your opponent with no action while the rest of the cycle is really good at keeping your stuff alive or keeping you alive against unfair decks which is also incredibly valuable in modern except for fury fury is just a disappointment what is, what is fury? did they ever release the red free spell <laughs> I don't. I don't remember they actually ever dropped the red freeze. That's weird. <laughs> On top of that, another thing that's pretty big about this: force and negation can't hit these. Yeah, no, that is also true. They're also elementals, which is like fringe relevant in modern because there is a five color elemental deck. So yep. maybe that is somewhat relevant. But really, all of them except the red cards are cards that I expect to see a ton of play in the format. Like free spells are good. These are all very powerful free spells. And this is a cycle that outside of Fury, which I just really don't understand how they whiff so hard on that one. It seems like Wizards design these to be like modern and legacy playable out of the entire right. set. These are the cards that Wizards is like, all right, these are doing very specific, like important things for the modern format. And uh, I expect these cards are going to really shake up the format. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you guys were not high on Fury. <laughs> Oh, I, okay. think, I think that was some of the, the nicer stuff I said about Fury, too. If you actually watch, like, the spoiler videos and stuff, that was that was me being nice to Fury. I was so harsh on that card. It, to oh. be fair, though, the whole format then became an X1 format, right? <laughs> Once it became an X1 format, everyone got, like, the the Fury train took off. So, I think you that's know, true. Like, we... we didn't know Esper Sentinel and Ragavans and Dragon Rage Channelers. Like, this was, like, right as the set was releasing. So we didn't really get to see the full metagame with Modern Horizons 2, which maybe would have made us somewhat higher on it. I think we also maybe, or at least I also, didn't really uh, appreciate how good blinking it would be and how much people would go in on these effects and, like, how everyone would just play Yarion and, like, blink these cards and uh, and so forth. So uh, so I think there are multiple reasons that we, uh, that we whiffed on it. At least we thought that the cycle was good in general like that that's half a point right yeah, yeah. what, what i've Although learned is anything that's being the blue free one is s no matter how dumb it looks how bad it looks <laughs> with the cost of free it could be like pay 19 life discard your hand free i'm like it's gotta be s this is what i've learned <laughs> everything is good i've also learned that we are horrendous at evaluating red cards uh <laughs> anything we say about red cards should just be discarded altogether. wow that's that's true. Red and Rakdos. Like that's the that's the theme of this review is we are really bad at both of those color combinations. All right. Uh, last one. Top omission. We also got 
A new uncommon removal spell in Prismatic Ending. I think this is a relatively good removal spell. I don't think it's going to show up in main decks in Modern, but I think it does have potential. We've seen Isolate show up in Modern sideboards. Just one mana, exile a permanent converted mana cost of one. Prismatic Ending, downside is it's a sorcery. Upside is it gets things that are one or zero mana. Plus, it has a lot of flexibility where if you are two, three, four, five colors, you can maybe snake bigger things as well. On the other hand, we do have Portable Hole coming, which just gets any non-land mana value two or less for a single mana. But Portable Hole, if your opponent kills it, they get their thing back. Prismatic Ending gets rid of it forever. And there are plenty of targets for this. People have been talking about it as a way to get rid of Chalice of the Void. Chalice of the Void on one counters anything with the mana value of one. Well, if you're playing, let's say even Mono White, you don't have two colors of mana, you can intentionally pay more mana with your Prismatic Ending, like pay two mana so the CMC is high enough that you don't get countered by Chalice of the Void. You snake Rest in Pieces cheaply. You snake Monastery Swift Spears. So while I don't think this is a revolutionary new spell that's going to change modern or anything like that, <laughs> I do think it's possible that Prismatic Ending can find a way into its sideboard as a way to answer hate cards with a lot of flexibility and get rid of them forever rather than some other options which only get rid of them until the card leaves the battlefield, which is a drawback in some scenarios. So nothing groundbreaking here but a pretty solid removal spell coming in modern horizons too all right i mean it is, it is how, pretty solid how did you not like this card <laughs> it, once again the whole format really went down on mana value right like now everything's like one and two or zero so like prismatic ending is is absurd it's absurd now but at that time i just feel like it you know, I, I could see why it was just a good card, not like an amazing card. It, it wasn't I mean, instant I, speed. I, <laughs> the, the sorcery it was, side makes it look worse than it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was certainly pretty far off in the spoiler video. It is a card that has changed modern and revolutionized things to the point where decks are adding white mana literally just to play this as their only white card to their main deck or their sideboard. The only defense I have for our top 10 video is... It was Modern Horizons 2, and that set has a lot of good cards. So I think it should have made our top 10 list. But when you're considering like Ignoble Hierarchs and Cauldras and Gris and all the free spells and Urza Saga, like there's so many good cards from the set that I, I think you could even like, especially at that time, you can make an argument that it shouldn't have been on the list. Like with the, with the benefit of hindsight, it would be one of the top 10 cards in the set. But there's a lot of really strong cards that change modern for Modern Horizons too. So there's a lot of competition to get in the top 10 list all right so so that wraps up all eclipse what have we learned today how are we going to avoid <laughs> egg on our face for the next year of <laughs> oh Just easy easy up double down cards. double down right <laughs> fighter class to make it all back right <laughs> yeah circle of loyalty is waiting to break out any minute now <laughs> hey i i play i made a deck around that card at the end of the year and i won a few games <laughs> all right so that it must mean that it's good <laughs> no but okay fighter class and the red two drop the red adversary okay maybe not fighter class but red adversary definitely has a lot of time to grow i think uh <laughs> Be careful with, with red cards and Rakdos cards. I think think twice about them because that seems to be our our weakest uh, our weakest color when it comes to evaluating stuff. Otherwise, yeah, I don't know. Some of, some of the cards on this list, kind of like Graham, I still do think maybe have a chance. So we'll have to see a year from now when we go back and do this uh, do this again. Maybe we'll maybe it'll look a little bit better than it does right now. At least for a couple of the cards on the list. I think we need to stop comparing cards to older cards. Like, even if, like, two years ago, it was, like, too far away in magic design now, right? Like, saying things like, oh, it's like a siege rhino or, like, a watch wolf or something, I feel is no longer relevant. Because I think before and after some of these sets, like, the design has changed so much. Like, if you think of, like, say, pre-Eldrain, post-Eldrain standard, if you think pre-Modern Horizons, post-Modern Horizons, modern they're vastly different, right? Like like Krim said, no one expected Modern to go down in MV like that. Like, we're all just playing one-drops now. Uh, so I think comparing things to, like, the good old days of Splinter Twin and Birthing Pod or whatever, I think it's no longer relevant. I think we got to, like, throw that away and just, like, think block-constructed. Like, <laughs> all, all, like, how the cards yeah. play with each other and, like, you know, the next Modern Horizons come out, 
like half the cards will be tier one modern staples what will the metagame look like no, I think I think that's definitely true too. Like I think that's where a lot of my whiffs come in is where I'm comparing to older cards, but at the same time, like it kind of worked for Goldspan Dragon. We were comparing that to other red five drop dragons, and in that case, we ended up being right. But I do think that might be the only red card we were right about. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a pretty that was a pretty obvious one. If we missed on that, like, oh good lord! But uh, I do think that's true. The world has changed so much that it is hard to uh, it, it's hard to say that something's going to be good because it looks like something that was good from five or ten or twenty years ago because magic's just a different game now all right so wrapping up 2021 i'll ask you guys one question what do you want to see in 2022 magic could be anything uh magic only has four colors it chops off green who are you going to complain about grim <laughs> yeah, that would be the worst thing for you, Graham. You're gonna lose your sense of identity. You're just gonna spiral. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. Okay, okay. Then, then I guess if we don't go with that, the one thing I hope to see, you know, I, I, I would love to see a, a thriving standard, whatever alchemy, either or, one of those formats doing well because I've always played standard my in my entire life. I've loved standard and, and to be honest with you, some of the best times I've had playing magic would be in standard, but I would love to see a format that is enjoyable. Uh, that it, like, I mean, I love historic. I love modern. Uh, those have always been good. Well, modern has mostly been good. Uh, and, and yeah, like, but standard has been in a bit of a rut for a little while. So I just want to see a good standard again. And I mean, I know it, it'll be a lot to ask for it to be like as good as the Ravnica, most recent Ravnica return, whatever set. Uh, but like something along those lines. Oh, hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I got two. One is uh, one is I want less snowball threats. Uh, powerful creatures are fine, but give us give us powerful creatures that don't just win the game by themselves if they go unchecked. I think that's my biggest frustration with uh, standard and alchemy in those formats now oh. is just uh, these two drops that like if 100% you don't kill correct. this. It, it essentially beats you over the course of a couple of turns. Uh, Rahilda's and uh, Ranger werewolf class. pack leaders and ranger class. There's many, many threats. like And Raghavan in older formats to some extent. So uh, I would like to see less of those. Still print powerful things, but make like powerful vanilla creatures or French vanilla creatures or whatever. Just stuff that doesn't snowball out of control. Number two is uh, companions acorned in all formats. Please, I don't want another year of Luris in modern. I'm so sick of it. The mechanic's horrible. The cards are horrible go away please companion that's my that's my christmas wish for this year if i, I realize i'm gonna piggyback off that and and yeah I, I forgot yeah less face roll cards and for those that don't know what that means like just i i yeah just less a lot less of cards like ranger class and things like that i am so tired of like just i don't know Every single card is just a, a burst of card advantage. Uh, it, it feels like I don't really have to make decisions anymore. Like, it's just like if any of these threats stick, I win the game. And like, I can, and, and why, why it's called face rolls, I can pretty much run my face across the keyboard and it'll win the game. I mean, you still have to say, like, yes to werewolf pack leaders. Do you want to draw a card? <laughs> yeah, so you have yeah. some choices. Okay. There's a little <laughs> bit of dexterity there. So you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I agree with you guys. I'm going to add on, I want to see less text on cards. And the the optimal is vanilla creatures, right? But I, I'm tired of reading, like, encyclopedia entries on, like, every card. Like, I just do not know what any alchemy cards do anymore. There's just so much text. I Like, just give me a one mana 3-3. Three, three, does nothing. That's it, right? Uh, like, a, a three mana 3-3 three, three flying. Like, that's good enough, right? It doesn't need to, like search through my library, exile eight cards, shuffle my sideboard, you know, flip a token over and gain one life. You know, like, I don't know what all that extra noise is for. Just, just like, give me vanilla creatures. Don't snowball the game. Easy to understand. You know, I can describe a card to a new player in two seconds as opposed to, you know, two minutes, which it is now, right? And I, I can measure this. We're going to measure how long daily spoiler videos are next year. Every year they keep going up in length as Wizards adds more text and more sides and like more like transforms and stuff to cards. Like just just keep it simple. Like it, it was a great game. We don't need to make it overcomplicated and like scare away new players. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I do miss the days of 20 minute spoiler videos where we talk about everything. Uh, and I think alchemy was like the, the worst of this. We went from like every card uh, has a lot of text to every card is two cards with all the double face cards. And then alchemy is like every card can tutor up 15 different cards <laughs> at random. So you have to talk about every single one of the 15 cards. You have a 20% chance of hitting. So, so yeah, a little less tax. I would, uh, I would be down with that I, too. I, I want to see an alchemy competition, like a real tournament where you can ask a judge what the Oracle text is on this card. And then they have to read Oracle <laughs> on like 15 cards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, oh, I, I'm, I'm playing on the English client. I don't speak English. Can you translate uh, all the cards in Oracle uh, to me? Thank you. Uh, did Wizards even bother to put those cards on Gatherer? Is, is there no, Oracle text for those cards? I'm not cards sure. Are on Gatherer, but we, we can double check. <laughs> all I, right. So that wraps up the cards. year. It was it, it was fun going over all the cards. Every year, like we just talk about more and more cards. I wonder if they'll let up at any point. Uh, but that's how it is. Just do not listen to us for red cards. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just just red, <laughs> please. <laughs> we know our dragons. <laughs> <laughs> yep dragon other than dragons uh dragons are okay otherwise ignore us on red cards and i think that brings us to the end of episode 361 of the mtg goldfish podcast so uh richard and crib thanks for hanging out thanks to card conduit for supporting the show and most of all thank you to all of you for listening this year it's been an awesome year thank you so much for hanging out with us and uh we'll be back to do it again next week in 2022 to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic so until then, everyone, happy holidays, happy new year, and this is the crew signing out. Bye.